What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here, back with a Week 8 college football instant reaction episode. A day late due to some travel. Always check our community page for the latest updates on episodes and everything regarding the show. And if you're new, smash that subscribe button. Join the Blue Bloods you know, community here, man. We'd love to have you. Also, like the video right now. But we got to start in a game that I never thought we'd be covering on this instant reaction episode. We had a 9 overtime thriller of a game in happy valley as illinois upsets number seven penn state these new overtime rules were really put to the test and we saw what happens when you have two offenses that just can't put it in the end zone on two point conversions as we just had a bunch of scoreless overtime sessions until both teams ended up scoring in the eighth and illinois pulls it out in the ninth in what was a classic game between the nittany lines and the finding alana but the Nittany Lions coming off a of bye week did not play as well as many expected. A much-needed bye week to get healthy, get, pre get prepared for this stretch run they had. They came out extremely flat this weekend, and many people thought this James Franklin team, looking as rusty as they did, could have been looking ahead to a big game with Ohio State this weekend. But overlooking this, you know, Brett Bielema 2-5 and five Illinois team was the wrong move as the Illini get their second Big 10 win of the season, but this was their first conference win since week zero when they upset the Cornhuskers of Nebraska. And Brett Bielema has this team playing really hard. And it's a team that you cannot overlook week in and week out. And so this team is really having a culture being built at this program. But I want to start, before we get into Penn State, giving Illinois their props for pulling this game out. Because it all started and ended with the run game, which accounted for almost all of their 395 total yards this weekend. And they can it helped them convert over 50% of their third down opportunities. This team rushed for over 357 yards. And that is impressive against the Penn State defense that has not given up huge games on the ground this year. Chase Brown over 200 yards rushing, almost seven yards per carry, and had a rushing touchdown. While Joshua McCray, 142, almost six yards per carry. These guys had a huge day. Chase Brown was a guy I mentioned in week zero could have a big season. This was kind of a huge breakout game, and he was a key for Illinois pulling out this win. And they had to be spectacular because the passing game must have not got on the bus up the Happy Valley because the Illini threw eight total passes for only 38 yards and had a pick. That's not the formula to beat a top 10 team on most weekends, but they, the Alana made plays when they were needed. Arthur Satowski really struggled this weekend, though. And when he went down with injury in overtime, Brandon Peters had two huge passes in the eighth and ninth overtime to win this game for this team. So you've got to give him some credit there. And the reason you got to give this team so much credit is they didn't play their best game, still found a way to win, and that's what Brett Bielema has brought to this program. They can win any game that they walk into. And when you look at the Nittany Lions, look going to the other side of the field, man, they just look out of sorts on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that's that's saying a lot for the James Franklin team coming out of a bye week to look this bad. It, it was just stagnant, man. They got held to less than 230 total yards, and they weren't able to establish any drives as they only converted four of their 17 third-down attempts. That's not going to win you many games. And the struggle to run the ball cost them again, man. It cost them against um, 
Iowa just a few weeks ago. It it hurt them, you know, really made games closer against Auburn and Wisconsin, but only 62 yards, two yards per carry. And the only rushing score was Noah Kane in the eighth overtime to tie it at 18. The rushing attack really hurt this offense's ability to score on two-point conversions, made it much easier to defend because they knew they had to put it in the air. But luckily, the Illini struggled, and that's why this game drug on. But to to only see 38 total points scored in a non-overtime game was crazy, but you've got to give the Illini their credit for winning this game. But they move on as they look to get a huge Big Ten win when they welcome to when they welcome Rutgers to Champaign next week in a very important matchup for both of those teams. But Penn State gets no rest. They got a rebound with a huge road game against Ohio State in Columbus, in which they're looking to pull off a huge upset now after they're coming off back-to-back losses, you know, in between their bye weeks. But let's move on to another huge upset in the top 10. And it really wasn't an upset because this team was the favorite, but Iowa State pulls off a huge win over number eight, Oklahoma State in Ames, Iowa. One of the biggest games of the weekend, and they got a huge win to put this Big 12 championship race into absolute chaos with their fourth down stop late in the game to seal the game against Oklahoma State. But the Cyclones needed this win to keep themselves in the race for the Big 12. And now the Cowboys, Cyclones, and Baylor all find themselves with one loss each, but each team has a win over the other. So all three teams still have to play Oklahoma, which make those matchups extremely important. But Iowa State beat Oklahoma State this weekend, but Oklahoma State beat Baylor, but Baylor beat Iowa State. So this race is wide open for who can potentially go with Oklahoma to the championship. And if all three beat Oklahoma, then we got some real chaos. But Mike Gundy's team has been the cardiac kids all season long, but that strategy really caught up with them this weekend. But there's still plenty to play for. And if the Cowboys went out, then everything that was in front of them could still be achievable. But when you look at the Cyclones, they ride the run game so hard, especially when you have Brees Hall at running back. But as much as this was a run first team, it was the passing game that really won this game for Iowa State this weekend. And the Cowboys secondary had zero answers. You know, Brock Purdy had a huge game this weekend, threw for over 300 yards, almost 10 yards per attempt and two touchdowns and had one of his highest completion percentages of his career at almost 80 percent. I came away very impressed with how Brock Purdy played this weekend, but let's not forget the performance of Xavier Hutchison either. 12 catches, 125 yards, over 10 yards per catch, and two touchdowns. He was the player of the game for Iowa State. He made play after play deep down the field and really put a lot of pressure on the secondary for Oklahoma State as Iowa State got this big win. And you've got to give Matt Campbell's squad credit. The rushing attack wasn't extremely explosive, but Hall's, but but Brees Hall still made an impact, and he had the game-winning touchdown late in the fourth quarter, and they stuck with the run to help uh, Purdy out and keep this defense honest. Only 70 yards rushing for Hall, only three yards per carry, but had that late touchdown. They stuck to the game plan. Even if it wasn't moving the ball as efficiently as they would like, they made the defense respect the run, and Hutchison and Purdy took advantage of loaded boxes all game long, so give the Cyclones their credit. But the Cowboys also played a solid game. It just came down to who can make the plays in clutch moments. And Presley's fourth down stop was the final nail in the coffin for them. And the offense just needed more from Jalen Warren and the run game. 
Now, Spencer Sanders played a great game. As much flack as he gets from Oklahoma State fans and media, he played a great game. He just didn't have the help he usually does from the run game. But it was a promising game for moving forward for the senior leader. 225, nine and a half yards per attempt, three touchdowns, no picks, and completed over 62% of his passes. That's all people have been asking for Sanders to do. But he also made some great plays with his legs that aren't really reflected in the box score, but he just made things happen outside the pocket. And that's one of his best qualities for Sanders at the quarterback spot. The run game, though, the Cyclones defense deserves their flowers, man, for shutting down what was such an explosive rushing attack. They only they only converted on two of 10 third downs because the rushing attack wasn't the same. Jalen Warren was held under 80 yards rushing less than four, you know, about four yards per carry. And the team as a whole only averaged three yards per carry. Didn't find the end zone this weekend. And if Oklahoma State was going to win this game, they needed more from Jalen Warren, and he was the only running back. Dominique Richardson wasn't really a factor, but he was the only running back to see more than two carries. So they got to work out the depth of running back for Oklahoma State, but you got to give Sanders his credit. It was just Purdy, Hutchison, and that Iowa State defense making key plays down the stretch really was the difference in this game. We got to see the rushing the field. I love it. Iowa State is firmly back in this Big 12 race. And even though they have some early struggles, this team has never given up. And that's kind of what that kind of speaks to what Matt, Matt Campbell has built out there in Ames. But Oklahoma State looks to rebound against Kansas when they uh, travel to Stillwater this next weekend. But Iowa State looks to continue this winning streak and this momentum as they travel to Morgantown to take on West Virginia next weekend. But let's go to the other another game we covered on this channel. Number 23, Pittsburgh, hosting Clemson. And listen, this is a conversation we need to have on the show. Pittsburgh is proving to be a legit ACC championship contender, and I think it's really time to start giving Kenny Pickett his respect as he continues his ascension as one of the best quarterbacks in college football this year, and he deserves to be mentioned right up there with Matt Corral and Bryce Young in this Heisman race. But he was really the the – I guess, focal point of this Panthers offense to get this huge 27-17 win over Clemson and Hans Field this weekend. But they make a statement, and now they have taken full control of the ACC Coastal as every other team in that division has two or more conference losses. And Pat Narduzzi's team seems to get seems to get better and better each week. And outside of one just huge fluke game against Western Michigan, this team has been rolling this year. And they had a big win over Virginia Tech. They get a big double-digit win over Clemson. This team is legit, and it looks like Wake Forest and Pitt right now should be the leaders in the clubhouse in the ACC. On the other side, never thought I would say this to you guys right here on this channel on October 25th. The Tigers are now, the Clemson Tigers are eliminated from ACC championship contention. They need NC State to lose twice. They need Wake Forest to lose like three times right now to take control of this Atlantic division. And the problems for this Tigers team just seem to compound week after week. We'll get to that, but let's give the Panthers their credit, man. That offense keeps churning along, and it starts with Kenny Pickett. Over 300 yards, two passing touchdowns, no turnovers on the biggest stage of the season for Pitt. And even though if you didn't get to watch this game, it might not reflect on the stats, Kenny Pickett made some great plays with his legs down the stretch to really seal this game for Pitt. And I was even more impressed with the wide receiving core for the Panthers. The offense is starting to have some real playmakers emerge for Pickett that he can utilize down the stretch. 
10 different receivers called a pass from Pickett, which really shows how well he's distributing the ball and how many people can step up for Pickett this season. But it starts with Jordan Addison, man. Five catches, 84 yards, a touchdown, over 16 yards per catch. And Tysir Mack, three catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown, almost 20 yards per catch. Those guys are the main targets, but you can tell with 10 different receivers catching the ball, Pitt has some real versatility in how they can attack you through the air. And also, I've been saying every Clemson game I've previewed, you've got to use the NC State formula. They just you've got to grind the rushing attack, keep them honest, wear this defense down, and then beat them over the top, just like Devin Leary did. And that's what happened. The Panthers stuck with the run game. They had a great rotation of running backs, and they grinded out 162 rushing yards, which really took some pressure off of Pickett. Even though the average wasn't great, they were able to grind out some big games. You look at Rod, uh, Rodney Hamden Jr., 11 carries for 66 yards and over six yards per carry. The Israel at the running back spot, nine carries, 56 yards and over six yards per carry as well. And then Vincent Davis also had 12 carries for 30 yards. They just kept fresh bodies in. Clemson wasn't able to establish drives, and Pitt was able to wear down this defense down the stretch. But for me, Pitt proved they're a real threat moving forward. When Pickett and the defense are both clicking and playing well, this team is going to be extremely tough for any team left on their schedule to beat. Now, the Tigers, Clemson. Their offensive woes continue, man, and it all starts with the abysmal quarterback play that we've seen. When you have terrible quarterback play when you have a lack of a run game it really dooms this team and then you could tell it takes a, a toll on the defense as the season moves along because they get worn down the tigers have no execution for the air right now it led to dju being benched for uh tyson p but neither offered much hope for this offense moving forward dj 128 five yards per attempt two picks did have that rushing touchdown Tyson comes in, 23 passing yards, three three yards per attempt. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, but you can tell that neither of these guys right now are confident. The offensive line really isn't helping them out. I mean, when you get a shovel pass picked off and taken for a pick six, that's how you know when things aren't going very well. Now, the rushing game did grind out 164 yards, but the biggest thing for me they're really missing that explosiveness and that explosion that Travis Etienne brought to this offense over the past few seasons. Shipley coming off the injury, played decent, over five yards per carry for 52 yards. Kobe Pace had 33 yards, and Phil uh, Mafa had 14 yards in that rushing touchdown as well. But none of these backs can be just put that like one-play hitters or really offer anything down the field. They're just kind of grinded out, and that's not how this Clemson offense runs at its I guess at its top efficiency they have to it, they have to produce explosive plays somewhere and that's something that really has been missing for Clemson this year now because the offense fails to establish drives it wears down this really good I think Brent Venable's defense that has a lot of talent it's a recipe for disaster for this Dabo Sweeney led team and the offensive woes have to be solved or this isn't going to be the last loss on Clemson's record this year. They have to figure something out. They've only eclipsed a 20-point mark once this season. That is not that is not the recipe. And so you got to be looking at Tony Elliott and this offensive staff and be like, we got to make some changes or get some playmakers in here that can go make plays for us. Now, Pittsburgh continues their ascension to number 17 in the AP poll as it was released Sunday afternoon. They welcome Miami to Hans Field this, this 
upcoming weekend in a huge ACC game. But Clemson has a very important make-or-break game against Florida State and Death Valley this weekend. Lose there, uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, unrest in Death Valley, I would imagine, up there in South Carolina. So we will see. But let's move to our last main match that we're going to talk about before getting to some takeaways. Number 10, Oregon keeps their college football playoff hopes alive with a big win against UCLA in Pasadena. And that we saw the Oregon Ducks, for me, overcome some real adversity against a really good UCLA squad that jumped out to a 14-0 lead that went into the second quarter. But the Ducks outscored the Bruins 27-3 over the second and third quarters, and they just keep their playoff hopes alive by grinding it out somehow. They found a way to they gotta find a way to be more consistent on the offensive side of the ball, avoid slow starts, and they can't turn the ball over like they did this weekend, but they were able to survive this weekend. And the a late DJ James interception really helped them seal the game. And if it weren't for that, UCLA could have squeaked out a huge upset win. But the Bruins did all they could to put the Ducks on the rope. But Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson's injury really killed any momentum as Garbers threw a late interception. But this Chip Kelly squad for me still showed that they can compete with the top teams in the Pac-12, which is something that has been missing for this squad in recent years. When you look at all, when you look at Oregon, the offense did do enough to you know, overcome what they, what, what they, I guess, got behind the eight ball with early in the game. Anthony Brown's turnovers really killed them early, but down the stretch, they really found their rhythm. But the defense was the real saviors of the day as they just, they just seemed to make key play after key play. But Anthony Brown, yes, may have cost his team multiple times, but he should be applauded for his playmaking ability down the stretch. His legs and his ability to move the ball through the air when the run game failed, really kept the Ducks alive. He completed over 74% of his passes for almost 300 yards, and he also was the leading rusher with 85 yards and a touchdown, which was over 14 yards per carry from the quarterback. So Brown's ability to make plays, even when he wasn't, you know, when he was turning the ball over early, was huge. He made the plays when they were needed, and it makes you kind of overlook his shortcomings as a passer, and that's what makes Oregon extremely dangerous. But the run game this weekend, man, yeah, they got over 120 yards, but 70% of them were from Brown at quarterback. And it was clear that the Ducks are really missing C.J. Verdell this weekend. They have to find someone to work along with Travis Dye because no other running back other than Travis Dye saw more than one touch, and that is not going to work down the stretch. They have to create some depth in the running back room. Travis Dye, even though he only had 35 yards rushing for only two and a half yards per carry, he still had four rushing touchdowns. He just finds the end zone, and that was key this weekend for the Ducks pulling this game out. But the the MVP of the game, guys, if you watched it, Kayvon Thibodeau reminded you why he was you know, tabbed as the best defensive player in the country this year, and he is still haunting the UCLA quarterback room as we speak, as he had two sacks, four and a half tackles for loss and over nine tackles. He was in the backfield creating, creating pressure, wreaking havoc all game long. And this was really the best game. I think Thibodeau's played up until this point of the season. So he finally looked like himself and it, it happened in a key moment when the ducks were trying to pull out a big win against UCLA. Now, the Bruins played a solid game, but it was clear when the rushing attack isn't clicking at that elite level, 
they just didn't have enough to close this game out, you know, down the stretch. And then also the injury to Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't help either, but they proved that they are a legit Pac-12 team right now. Britton Brown, 13 carries, 45 uh, yards for two rushing touchdowns, and Charbonnet was held to 35 yards and 2.5 yards per carry. It was one of his lowest outputs of the season, and they just you just have to have more when you're going to try to knock off a team like Oregon. You've got to give the front seven of Oregon some credit. They really controlled the line of scrimmage. They were able to get pressure through the air. And after that first quarter, and then really outside of like probably the last five minutes, they played excellent football through the middle of that game. They almost allowed a comeback, but right when you needed to play, James gets a big interception off a of backup quarterback for UCLA. But for me, Oregon showing that they could overcome this adversity was big. So a lot of people questioned it after that Stanford game when everyone was like, man, they really couldn't close that game out, even though they were the better team. Mario Cristobal squad's pulling it out. So you've got to give them some credit. But if they want to make a realistic playoff run, they're going to have to start you know, winning these games by a wider margin. But you can tell right now they're finding ways to win and they're keeping their names alive in the college football playoff race. But the Ducks move on to take on Colorado as the Buffs visit Autzen Stadium next weekend, while the Bruins look to rebound against, you know, Pac-12 South leader Utah in an extremely important matchup if UCLA wants to find themselves in the in the Pac-12 championship race. But final takeaways here, guys, I'll try to keep these episodes a bit short, but the number one thing, Oregon just keeps finding ways to win. And regardless if you like it or not, they're going to keep the, that Ohio State win as Ohio State keeps playing better is going to keep them in the conversation. And a one loss Oregon is going to be in the college football playoff conversation, regardless if you like it or not. And so Mario Cristobal understands that and he just keeps winning. And that's all they have to do. That Stanford loss is bad. But with the chaos that we've seen in college football this year, there's some teams in front of them that have to, one, play each other, and two, have not looked super impressive. So Oregon's being helped by Ohio State, and their college football hopes are being propped up right now. So Oregon is a legit college football contender right now. Second, Ohio State, huge win over Indiana. They're real college football playoff contenders. They really seem to be finding their identity as they hit this stretch run. We're going to find out this weekend as Penn State comes to town can't, if they handle business in an impressive fashion, given, yes, Penn State lost, but it's still a top 20 team, they handle business there. Ohio State's going to reinsert themselves as one of the favorites for the college football playoff this season. Three, Kenny Pickett deserves some respect and attention as the Heisman race moves on. And Pitt as a whole deserves a bit more attention because them and Wake Forest are playing really good football right now. The ACC is going to have a new champion for the first time in many, many years, man. So Clemson's pretty much out of it. Wake Forest and Pitt deserve that respect. But Kenny Pickett is playing some of, the, in my opinion, the best football we've seen a quarterback play this season. So I think Kenny Pickett deserves some Heisman respect as of right now. And Pitt deserves some attention. But as they get into the top, you know, that top 15 conversation, it's going to be interesting to see how they can evolve and how they keep improving week in and week out. Fourth, Lincoln, Raleigh, and Oklahoma have some real concerns to work through right now. They were down 10 to nothing in Lawrence to Kansas that hasn't won a conference games in some years with a first-year head coach, and Oklahoma had some real problems. And if it wasn't for Kayla Williams pretty much stripping his own running back, 
they probably they could have came away that game with a huge upset loss and one of the biggest upsets of the year. Oklahoma has some real offensive identity issues they have to figure out. The defense has to play just a bit better, but it went on the defense this weekend. The offense was atrocious. So Caleb Williams, as well as he's played, Kansas really exposed some things they have to work on. And right now, I don't think it's a given that they're going to come out of a very competitive Big 12 when you have Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State sitting right there. Oklahoma has to figure it out in these coming weeks. Now, final takeaway, man, the college football playoff race is far from over with all the chaos. I mean, you have good arguments for Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, Oregon. I mean, there are so many teams you can make a realistic argument can slide into this playoff race. Even Oklahoma's still right there. I mean, it's far from over, but week nine is really going to bring some answers to this playoff race. I'm looking just right here. You have a top eight matchup in Michigan, Michigan State, the Penn State, Ohio State game. Ole Miss, Auburn, a top 18 matchup. You know, Baylor gets a big Texas game. Georgia gets their rival, Florida. So Notre Dame plays a tough game against UNC. So this college football playoff race and that top 20 race is really going to be played out in week nine. We're going to get a lot of answers, but this is going to be one of those crazy years, kind of like 2007, where anything can happen week after week. But guys, if you're new, smash that subscribe button, like the video now, and go ahead and comment your takeaways from a wild week eight of college football. Preview start tomorrow. We're kicking it off with Michigan State. Michigan at 11 a.m. Central. That preview will drop full with predictions, break positional breakdowns, everything like that. So make sure to tune in. Make sure to share the video and join the Blue Bloods now, man. I promise you won't want to miss it. But for right now, man, the Blue Bloods are out.